Hello, my gorgeous people. Welcome to the Give Them Lala podcast. What a crazy weekend. What yeah. a crazy, you know, Monday, Tuesday. Well, we're recording this on a Monday, so it'll, <laughs> it'll air on a Wednesday. But um, how are you feeling, Jess? I'm feeling good. Um, Welcome I, back. Thank you. Thank you, you guys. I was home with a bit of a cold, but it is the season, I guess. That's what yes. I've heard. So tell me about your weekend. It's been a crazy weekend mm-hmm. with Roe versus Wade. I won't lie. That was a tough one. I'm not mm. a podcast or person that ventures into my beliefs. I will say this is the one thing that I go, this is my fucking body. Mm. And how dare you think you have the right to tell me what the fuck to do with it. Agreed. That hits me closely for anyone who read my book. I have had an abortion. This is a topic who has affected me personally, women who I know personally, people I don't even know it's affected. And I got a lot of people when I posted about it uh, wanting to go on rampages saying unfollow. I think you should unfollow me because mm-hmm. if that's something you, you're you not on my same page, I'm not the person for you, especially a woman who thinks that this um, doesn't affect them. If you don't see eye to eye with me on this topic, I'm not for you. Yeah. And I'm sure I lost a lot of followers. Great. Goodbye. It's Goodbye. Heart- this is a heartbreaking time for... Oh, all women in America and it's fucked up. It's exactly what it is. And I am just, I was, I was pretty devastated by, by all of what happened. And I think a lot of people were as well. Mm -hmm. And one person saying in the cat, in the state of Cali, you'll be fine. You can just travel. I'm like, okay. So the 13 year old who gets pregnant in a horrific way, all she has to do is travel to a different state, Jess. Because that's easy. It's beyond ignorant and disgusting. And the you can just travel. What are you talking about? You think people, everyone can just, yes, there are a lot of people who can just travel. But you think that everyone can just pick up and just go to the next state? Your privilege is fucking Your privilege showing is, when you yes. make a comment like that. And you that. made, right, a third, or whatever, a young person. Yeah. Someone who doesn't have, I've got a ton of friends who've experienced this. Young, 15 years old not a ton of friends, but a couple of friends, young 15 years old got pregnant. If their parents would have ever found out, they would have forced them to keep the baby. So they made their a decision on their own. It's like beyond. It it's doesn't heartbreaking. Make, and guess what? Yeah. I can get, when things make sense, Jess, mm-hmm. I can get down with it. Mm-hmm. If you can bring me something that makes sense in all areas, I can get down with it. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. So we're not going to venture too much further into it. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about something happy. I have an amazing guest today all of my guests are amazing I won't even lie (laughs) um but this guest has a huge piece of my heart because she is responsible for me getting sober the first person I reached out to but um my guest Ashley Peterson she is a part of two horse rescues one being wild sage horse and the other one love this horse there's going to be in this episode a place where you can go to donate. I'm going to post it on my Instagram. It'll be on the podcast page. If you just venture over to their Instagrams, again, Wild Sage Horse and Love This Horse, you 
click on the link in the bio and it'll show you where you can donate. You literally can donate a dollar. If I got a hundred people to donate a dollar, we could help feed a horse for an entire month. So that is incredible. Give, give what you can, share the link. Maybe someone else you know can throw in some money. Anyway, with that being said, we're going to take a short break and we will be back with Ashley Peterson. I have been very transparent with you guys about my hair struggles between the pregnancy hormones and bleaching it all the time. I have been having some serious hair issues. And now with baby number two on the way, I'm already being proactive about my hair thanks to Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. And I am definitely one of those people. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the root causes of thinning, which are stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism. You can take the Nutrafol hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. Because I know we are all different and we're on different hair journeys. Nutrafol makes building a hair growth routine super easy. Purchase online, no prescription required. You get free shipping and automatic deliveries so that you never miss a day. And you'll see results in three to six months. So take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering Give Them Lala listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter promo code LALA. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LALA. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LALA. You guys, it is finally shorts and t-shirt weather. My favorite kind of weather. Time to put the jackets and sweaters in the back of the closet where they belong. And if you're like me, I know you want to update your look for the summer, but you don't want to break the bank in the process. That's where Quince comes in. Thanks to Quince, I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking so chic all summer long. Quince has premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30. And this is my favorite part. All Quince items are 50 to 80% less than many similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes all those savings on to us. I am wearing my Quince cashmere tee again today, and I have no shame. I got the cream color. It's so soft. It's so comfy. So chic. Almost as soft as the Quince waffle towels that I got to put in Palm Springs. We all are obsessed with those towels. So get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Lala for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Lala to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Lala. Welcome back. Oh my gosh. I have a fantastic guest, Ashley Peterson. Hello, my angel. Hi, Miss Lala. I call you my angel because, and I, I call you this every time I hit another year of sobriety because you were the first person that I called when I identified as an alcoholic. You were my very first phone call. I didn't know who you were. You didn't know who I was. Your name was given to me by a psychiatrist. 
and you swooped in like an angel and gave me a life that I was screaming for. And, you know, Lala, thank you. And honestly, experiences like you and I had together and the fact that you needed to reach out, you needed a connection and you needed something that was um, grounding for you and a safe space. Like, that's why I do what I do for a living. I mean, the basis of Alcoholics Anonymous is one alcoholic helping another. But for some people, myself included, there's some really critical steps that need to happen before you can even get into the rooms of AA. What would you say those steps are before you get into a room? Well, I I always believe there's a certain amount of desperation and willingness that needs to come with sobriety and how people get there is their own journey. And, and obviously, like once you reach a level of desperation and willingness, you've got to then have resources or you've got to have an opportunity because people that suffer with an addictive cycle, like we've all woken up and said, oh, my God, I'm never going to drink again. So there's your desperation. Mm-hmm. And willingness is, looks like okay, I think I'm finally ready to tell somebody what's going on with me so I don't have to suffer in silence anymore. And I can allow myself to be supported. And then opportunity is what you had when we met, which is that you had that perfect combination of desperation and willingness. And then you actually had access to somebody who was going to say, I got you. Oh my gosh. It it just gives me chills because so many people will slide into my DMs and, you know, they want to know how does one choose the path to sobriety and how have you stayed sober? It's such a nuanced thing because Mm -hmm. I remember you when I hit a year and you called me a unicorn. (laughs) For me, you know, every situation is so different. Everyone's sobriety journey looks different. Yeah. And I love that you said that those are like – the three things to really get you into a room because getting into a room is very intimidating. And I remember I called you on a Monday. You said, I want you to call me every single day, whenever, until we meet on Thursday. I met you on a Thursday, that Thursday. And I was in a room with someone who you introduced me to, who is still my sponsor today. And I was in an AA meeting with her that Thursday that I had met with you. It's crazy to me. It is crazy. Listen, you are a unicorn, Lala, because there's a lot of people who aren't ready to actually attach to the guidance and the resources. And there's plenty of people I've made suggestions for sponsorship to and given lists of meetings and said, hey, if you really want to be sober, this is going to help. This is a great community and a foundation for you. And how many people have said, yeah, no, that's not for me. And I go, okay. And so, you know, I'm always amazed. Like my time is not free. I mean, people have to pay to come and see me. They will pay and come and see me for counseling and guidance. And I give them the counseling and guidance. They go, yeah, no. And I think, okay, well, They'll e- they're either going to figure it out on their own right. or they'll be willing to come back when they're ready to hear what I'm saying. Right. People want it to be easy. And you and I know 
that there is nothing easy about this experience. If, if it were easy, people like me wouldn't have a job. Alcoholics Anonymous wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. This is not about willpower. This is, and that's all like a lot of ego and a lot of pride. At the end of the day, like, dude, you got to be willing to like go, yes, take me. Just tell me where to go and what to do. I'm so sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I want, I'm going to face my fear right. of the unknown and I'm going to walk through it. Right. And then when you get to the other side, which you and I have talked about so many times, you develop superhuman powers. You can do anything. And by the way, since you got sober, you have walked through more challenges in your life with grace and dignity and turned around and been a role model and a touchstone for other people struggling. That's your superhuman power. And that's what you earned when you walked through your fear. Thank you for saying that. There's there's a lot of people who... um who have asked me, how are you staying sober through these times? Mm -hmm. To be honest, that's the easy part. Well, and would having a drink change the outcome? Yes, it would make it horrendous. It would make it worse. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) You know? You'd have a whole other mess on your head. And I got a whole other set of issues. When I wake up, I my life is manageable. All of these things where when I have the worst day ever and I'm like, today's shit. I can fall Mm -hmm. into the fact that today's shit and tomorrow I'm going to wake up and it's going to be great. If I were drinking, the day would be shit. And then the next morning would be even fucking worse. Yeah. Yeah. Not worth it. And your beautiful baby. Oh my God, that beautiful baby. Who has a mama who's just like. Who shows up. We're here. So you said you're expensive. (laughs) Can you tell people, because this leads into where you are right now. Yeah, yeah. What were you doing and are you still doing it, Ashley? Do you still meet with people like via Zoom? Or- yeah, 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 yeah. I'm in a practice of primarily all-female practitioners, psychiatrists, therapists, and I'm the counselor and case manager based out of Santa Monica. I only work virtually. COVID was really an interesting challenge for us because Stacey Cohen and I had just opened our office in Santa Monica And then we had a lockdown. Yeah. So it became like the, okay, let's pivot. Let's figure this out. And I I had, you know, being in recovery, I figured that this was going to be high time. Like people were either going to drink themselves into oblivion or use themselves into oblivion alone in the privacy of their home and realize like, oh my God, this is really a problem or maybe a loved one would. Or people were going to realize since they didn't have to go to the office, they could finally address the problem that they hadn't been able to address because they were so busy on the treadmill of life. So either way, we needed to be able to show up for people virtually, right? which we did. We did. It was really, I I think I probably watched more people get sober and remain sober during the pandemic than I had at any other point in my career. So Yes, I'm still a counselor. I'm still a substance abuse counselor. I work only virtually, and which will tie into what we're going to talk about later. But I think people realized during the pandemic where they could improve the quality of their life. And in Los Angeles, not having to sit in traffic to get across town to find a parking spot to get to an office right. building to sit down was a great way to save a few hours out of their day. 
And so, you know, I was prepared to go back to in-person, but everyone, we've normalized virtual support, which is a blessing. It, it really is. I And you can get so much more done during the day. And there's so many times where things pop up and if they're coming to meet with you and they've got to reschedule, it, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal. Yeah. You hop on, you can do it on your phone. It's not a big deal to me. And I want people to be able to access the support in a realistic way. Right. We've all adapted. And I think for people that don't work conventional work hours to be able to still access virtual support is really important. Not everyone works nine to five. No. I love that you said that you saw a lot of people, more people get sober and stay sober during the pandemic than you've seen in your career because there were so many rooms that I would go into virtually during the pandemic and, you know, men and women who I had seen before who had a lot of time under their belt coming back with 24 hours. And yeah, it was just crazy to me. I There's a man who speaks at this meeting. He always gets up and he always says, I've been sober for 30 years and it takes 30 seconds for me to be a newcomer. And it's a very, that's a humbling thought to think you could have all the time in the world mm -hmm. and we're all one slip up away from being newcomers. Yeah. I think that, gosh, I think the last two and a half years really, 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 I mean, it was like a science fiction movie come to life. I mean, there was no playbook for it. By the way, I, I rarely wash my face and brush my teeth to go to work, but I do to go ride my horse. So let's talk about what's become so backwards in COVID. You know what? I think it's amazing. I love everything that you're doing. I love this setup you have. So I remember coming to your office in Santa Monica, and this was before the pandemic. Yeah. You said, basically, fuck it. <laughs> I'm getting a ranch. I just want to be around animals. Yeah. You did it. Your Instagram account is the do-over ranch. Yeah. It gives me all the life in the world because it <laughs> grounds me. I actually want what you have. And I remember in AA, they say, surround yourself with people who want mm -hmm. what you have or that have what you want. Yeah. Well, I've done just that. So tell me about what made you want to do that kind of escape from you. You were in the... Hollywood industry. Let's tell people like you were in it. You were doing makeup on 90210. Like, yeah. Talk about that and then tell me where you are now. Sure. So I'm just for the timeline of this story, I'm about to turn 53 years old. You look so hot. Thank you. You're welcome. I attribute it to sobriety and actually living a joyful life. So when I was 17, I started doing makeup in the film industry. So this was like 1987. I had a 23-year career and won my Emmys and had my A-list celebrities, had a child. My son is 28 years old, and I was like a single mom in this traveling circus show. We just load up in the private jets and fly across country and fly to another country. It was just kids and dogs is how we rolled. And I secretly was developing a really, really significant substance abuse problem. And I think probably there was plenty of people around me that knew that something wasn't right, but no one ever challenged me on it because I provided a service. I was good at what I did. And people also depended on me to make money and work. So there was a lot of like, we're just going to kind of turn a blind eye to the fact that like something's going wrong. 
So eventually, like, I became a liability and my substance abuse problem got so bad that I couldn't travel anymore because I couldn't actually access what I needed to stay well because it wasn't conventional what I was doing. And so I stopped traveling and it really limited my career. And eventually I just kind of slowly, quietly slipped away into active addiction alone in an apartment in squalor. You know, this was like, I had gone from like being married to the celebrity, all the A-list clients to like literally living in a two bedroom apartment that was filled with trash that I hadn't paid rent on in months. And I know the only reason he didn't evict me because he knew my dad was a lawyer and he planned on suing him for the back rent once I got out, which by the way, he did. And when I was 41, my family did an intervention. And I think my son at the time was 15. I don't think they really knew the gory details of how bad it had gotten, but they knew it was bad. And so they hired an interventionist. My son said something to my mom along the lines of like, my mom's dying. I don't like, I don't want my mom to die. My mom had been up probably for years at night worrying about me. So they did the intervention. I was 41. I was like, hallelujah. Oh my God. Yay. Finally, someone's like, realizes there's something really wrong here. And they're giving me, Lala, I couldn't find a way to get off the treadmill. Like when I thought about getting sober, I was like, well, who's going to watch my son? What about the dog? What about the bills I can't already pay? But then everyone's going to know I'm not really paying all my bills. And like, I really needed to be rescued. But I also was mortified. I was filled with so much shame that like I'd had this spectacular fall from grace and nobody was talking to me. Like, why would you? I was like a hot mess. So they did the intervention. I said, yes, absolutely. I went to a fabulous nonprofit treatment program in Culver City called Beit Teshuva. It was literally the most incredible experience I ever had because I got to just focus on myself. And that was the last thing they said. They're like, don't worry about anything else. Just worry about yourself. And I was like, oh my God, they gave me permission to get better. Finally. So I stayed a very long time. While I was there, I decided I don't want to go back to makeup. It, I felt really disconnected from it. It felt like I'd fallen out of love with something that I thought I always loved, but I kind of grew up in that industry. And I also think I grew out of it. So I went back to college. I was 42 years old and I went to college. That's amazing. And I'd never been to college because I started when I was 17. And so I studied psychology and addiction. I was a straight A student, by the way, which I had never been ever in the history of my life. And I got my degree in substance abuse counseling. And I started working my way through like a bunch of kind of lower level jobs. It was like the first time I ever at like really was aware that I was like climbing the ladder, like, okay, you got to do this. And then you got to get to this. And then, and by the way, the money was horrible (laughs) (laughs) and the work was brutal. So eventually sort of like stepping stones on a path, I just kept taking another step forward. One job would lead to another. And ultimately I had this incredibly wise man who was part of my own recovery Um, named Shia Blakeney. And he said, Ashley, I see something for you that is much bigger than this. Like he showed me my potential of who I could be. So I didn't have to necessarily keep working 
for other people, Mm. that there was a way that I could personally empower myself in this career and go into private practice. Mind you, when he saw that for me, it was three years before I actually did it because I couldn't envision it yet. I realized that there really was a demand and, and you were, you were one of those stepping stones along with like this handful of private clients that I had with you. Like I would work all day in a treatment program and then stay late to see private clients. Okay. And I realized like, oh, I can be helpful to people. Like, look at these people are doing really well with this one-on-one counseling. It's helping them. They feel a sense of connection. So I went into private practice with Stacey Cohen. I had Stacey Cohen on the podcast just for my listeners. Stacey Cohen, if you go back, she was fantastic. People went crazy over her episode. She is the one that gave me your number. So there's the connection there. And Stacey is the one who reached out to me long before I was ready and said, hey, I'm opening this boutique practice in Santa Monica. I want you to be my substance abuse counselor. I like, I need to have you in my practice. And I was like, oh my God, that's the scariest and most exciting thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Let me think about it. So ultimately I said, yes. And Stacy and I, about six months before the pandemic hit, opened the moment she opened it and I joined her. There was something else happening in the background of my life, just as a woman which is that at the time that a lot of these changes were going on in my career, I was also approaching 50 years old. And I had this, like, I know people talk about midlife crises. Mine was a midlife awakening. Wow. I don't know what happened, but like, I literally woke up and I was like, oh my God, what's happening? I'm going to be 50 years old. Let me look at my life. My, the question that I kept asking myself is, is there something that if I don't do it now, when I can, when I'm physically and financially able to do it, if I don't do it and I get to like 70 or 80 or the end of my life and I look back, am I going to regret that I didn't seize the opportunity? And the answer was yes. Oh my gosh. I love this. And that's how we that's how we got the do-over ranch. Like the do-over ranch was me getting my do-over. And then as a result, these animals that I have at the ranch were all rescues. And they came here to get their do-over. And so, you know, it's been this path, this journey of like self-discovery and awakening and realization that like, I don't have to live my life based on what others' expectations are of me. I have chills, I just want to say, all over my whole body. The Like the midlife awakening is brilliant. I think more people should start talking about that. Mm-hmm. I've talked to you about this. My mom you know, worked for the Humane Society, like you and I share a love for these sweet animals and I love you posting about them. So I have two game changers to share with you when it comes to upping your glam game. I am totally obsessed with Impress No Glue Mannies and Impress Press On False Eyelashes because I'm very into just easy right now and anyone can do it. You are going to love them just as much as I do, Both require zero glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes. There's also no annoying dry time. And the best part, zero mess. 
One step and you're done. The lash style options are endless and there are so many on-trend nails to choose from. Impress, no glue manis, and press-on falsies are the easiest and fastest way to upgrade your look in just minutes. The press-on falsies have a unique under-lash application for a totally seamless look and are made with an exclusive self-stick technology that keeps them secure for up to 24 hours. The Impress Manis have a patented super hold adhesive for up to seven days secure hold. And that's perfect for all of you busy mamas out there who don't have a lot of time to spend on glam but want to look your best. I completely get it. Impress No Glue Manis and Impress No Glue Press on Falsies are absolutely a beauty must. You need to try them right now. So get yours today at impressbeauty.com slash lala. And use code LALA at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. That's impressbeauty.com slash LALA and use code LALA at checkout for 25% off. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the -the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. You came to me last week and spoke about a horse rescue that I believe is a nonprofit. Yeah. And yeah. we all know that we are in tough times right now. I mean, mm-hmm. people are sitting here going, do I put food on the table for my family or do I do this? The choice is obviously very easy. And when things like this happen, there are animals that suffer. Mm-hmm. That is your biggest passion. I relate to that. I want to hear about this horse rescue, and I want my listeners to know how we can help, even in a small way, big ways, you tell us. Amazing. So the rescue that I reached out to is called Wild Sage Horse Rescue. How I got associated with Wild Sage Horse Rescue is through the horse rescue where I rescued most of my horses, which is called Love This Horse Equine Rescue. And there are two single women who have started these two separate rescues. One is very breed specific. So like Love This Horse primarily rescues Arabian horses, where Wild Sage rescues all breeds. And so right now I'm going to talk about horse rescue in general, because I think what happens is the trickle down economics of life. It started before we hit this phase that we're in right now with gas prices and food prices. But even during COVID is that people started abandoning their animals and dumping their animals. And so these types of organizations like Love This Horse and Wild Sage take them in. And they rehabilitate them and they feed them and they retrain them and they adopt them out. When people were home during the pandemic and we were all getting, you know, people were had more money in the bank because they weren't out doing whatever they do in life, weren't driving, weren't going out and having dinners. People were got really connected to like giving, which was really a beautiful thing. I think what's happened is Everyone is afraid. And I understand I live in my own fear. And I have to sometimes make choices between do I buy hay and make sure we have hay for three months or 
do something that's more personally driven. Like I'm not going to buy the expensive boots or the handbag right now. I'm going to feed my horses. So these horse rescues depend on donations. They're nonprofits. And grants for the, the grants are not easy to come by for the little people. And so I realized that when I got more personally involved with Wild Sage, it was because a, a family reached out. This is just an example of what kind what we deal with. A family reached out and their, their dad was ill, had dementia, and his beloved herd of horses needed to be taken care of, and they donated, they surrendered them to the rescue. So when they come into the rescue, we have to feed them, we got to vet them, they've got to have their feet done, they've got to be retrained, they've got to be, all these things cost money. So the best way to help is even if people like Listen, if 100 people donated a dollar, we're almost feeding a horse for a month. You know what I mean? When you break it down to a micro level, like, you know, it's about 150 to $200 a month to feed a horse. Okay. But by the way, every day, hay prices are going up because of gas prices. Right. Because of water prices. And so I really encourage people to... Or they can, you can sponsor a horse monthly, you know, you can go visit the horses at the rescue. Like they love to have people involved, but the volunteering has fallen down. The donations have fallen down. And I'm watching two really special friends of mine, like trying to figure out how they're going to keep their rescue together. If we can't keep the rescues going, then what happens? I can't even imagine going to that place of what do we do if we can't get people to help us out. Yeah. And uh, how I even found my way into horse rescues is that I decided I was going to adopt a horse because I don't think people realize that, sure, you can buy a horse that hasn't had any adversity in their life that's always been with one person or had perfect training and you're going to spend a lot of money likely on that horse Mm -hmm. or if you're like me who's like well everybody deserves a second chance animals included right (laughs) like right like i like where's the horse that needs a do-over everyone needs a (laughs) do-over and that's how i fell into it you know and by the way my horse and i are like winning championships together I know I've seen it it's crazy it's crazy this horse you couldn't even put a halter on this horse three and a half years ago oh my Ashley that is so cute (laughs) so it's like you know anything is possible but we've got to take care of the grassroots right we've got to take care of the base of the operation yes which is the rescues Right. So do you know how many horses are in this rescue right now? So Wild Sage has, I believe, 12 horses. And do you know how much we average in donations a month? How much? $50. Okay. Well, we're going to change that. <laughs> so you ha- there's 12 horses in the rescue. You could feed a horse for an entire month, let's just say around 200 to 250 Yep. with inflation. How do we donate? So you can donate through Venmo. You can donate through PayPal at wildsagehorserescue.com. You can go to their Instagram 
we really need to like increase traffic, yeah. you know, on social media and all the links for donations are on the social media for wild sage horse rescue for love this horse equine rescue. These are like hard working women who basically had to get second jobs in addition to their rescue to keep, their families fed and to keep the horses fed. Wow. I just, I really am so grateful that you're letting me talk about it because you have an amazing reach. And I don't think people realize how many, I mean, there's a lot of high profile horse rescues that already have the foot traffic and the donations, but I wanted to bring some awareness to some of the little guys. Well, I'm so happy that you did. And I'm going to make sure I post on my page will spread the word. And to my listeners, if you don't have the funds right now, you can also spread the word. Yeah. That's what we need. Reposting. Like Ashley said, if we could get a hundred people to just donate one dollar, that's all it takes. Yeah. And it's all tax deductible. And if someone decided they wanted to sponsor a horse monthly that, you know, they, they track their progress on social media. It's like, you're right there. Right. If you're in Southern California, you can come out and visit the horses. They love it. There's so much we can do. I'm thrilled that you approached me with this and thrilled that we could get <laughs> you on the podcast so quickly. Oh, I, it was meant to be, Lala. It was meant to be. And I'm, I'm excited. I think that you inspire me. You do amazing work. You're not only helping people, but you're helping the voiceless. And that to me just, it, it gives, it gives me a lot of hope to see you doing what you're doing. Oh, Lala. You make me cry. I love you so much. Well, I love you. I just, it, we're in such a weird world and you start losing faith in humanity. Yeah. Oh. So did you feel like you really had a voice when you were drinking? Was there part of you that felt silence just from the, I felt silence from the shame and the guilt. I mean, there was shame. There was guilt. I looked in the mirror. I didn't even know who I was. What do you believe in? What, what do you think about certain things? And I didn't know. It was like, I could tell you that I want a vodka soda in my system right now to numb myself to my very core. But as far as having a voice or a, a thought about anything, that didn't exist. Well, I think it was a natural segue for me when I found my own voice and I wanted people in recovery to find their voice again and find a sense of purpose and belonging and meaning. And then when I turned around and I looked at these animals and I was like, well, who's going to tell their story? Right. They don't have a voice. Like, how do we get people to care about what this animal has gone through if we don't talk about it, if we don't raise awareness? And I full-fledged have become the crazy animal lady. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. I think you got it figured out. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's totally unconditional. I know. I see it. <laughs> and when I get a little burnout on the human race, which... I'm not going to lie. I'm like a little burnout right now watching everything that's going on in the world. Like I just go sit with my chickens. I just go sit with my horses and it grounds me again. And so even if people are living in an apartment in the Midwest and feel disconnected, just to be able to follow some of the social media and feel connected to one of these horses journey from 
entering the rescue to where they find their forever home is really, really beautiful. And you don't have to donate to be part of it. Just be aware it's going on. Right. And spread the word. Spread the word. That's free. That doesn't cost anything. No, I know. When, when people, you know, sit there and go, but I can't do anything. It's like, yes, you can spread awareness. Let's have a conversation because there's going to be people out there who, who can't afford to, you know, say, I've got five bucks. Here it is. Amazing. That's what we need. Nothing is too small. Nothing. And it's, so appreciated because, you know, these rescues start to feel alone. I, I can't even imagine. I, it, you would start feeling alone. Yeah. It's like, well, where, where's the humanity? You know, no one cares. Yep. You feel like you almost feel like you're in the middle of the ocean drowning and everyone around you is sitting there watching it happen. Yeah. We're, we're going to change it. So repeat one more time where people can go to donate. So... There's Wild Sage Horse Rescue, which is both the horse rescues I talked about today are both on social media. Wild Sage Horse Rescue and Love This Horse Equine Rescue. They have Instagram, they have Facebook, they have donation links through PayPal, through Venmo. The tricky thing about the social media sites is I know people like convenience. They're like, oh, I'm going to donate through Facebook, but the really, or I'm going to donate straight through Instagram, which I think it's amazing they've made that available. The problem is they hold the money for 30 to 45 days. So the rescues don't resource, they can't access the money for a month or a month and a half. So if people are going to donate, I encourage them to donate through PayPal or Venmo because they get it immediately okay and i will send you everything in our little private text chain yep so you've got both in front of you and they're both on social media amazing i love you so much thank you so much for being on my podcast i love you too anytime my love Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.